Welcome in. Happy Saturday, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Um, thank you, D-Live. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sean. Sean Corey. This is Sean B. Planet. Live stream 54. We're talking about biblical manhood today. Um, shout out to everyone on D-Live. All my contributors, Andrew J., my mods. Andrew J., set of Acantis. Thank you for like the lemons and stuff on D-Live. And uh, Berserker, as always, with the lemons and stuff on DLive. Silosopher, Robear, Banner Troll Destroyer. All the new followers I've gotten. 710 Turtle showed up today. What's going on, my dude? Um, just met you right now. <laughs> new follower, just met you right now. Thank you for tuning in. And yeah, everyone else, appreciate the love and support. I am Sean Corey. This is Sean vs. Planet, Sean v. Planet. I'm here live every Saturday morning on DLive, YouTube, Trovo, Periscope, Twitter, whatever it's called now because it's not Periscope, but just the Twitter live function on the uh, at not Sean V. Planet Twitter account, which is definitely not me on the at N-O-T-S-E-A-N-V-P-L-A-N-E-T, not Sean V. Planet Twitter account. Every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central, um, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to share my thoughts, my thoughts and uh, opinions. Um, join me Saturday mornings. You can get in the live chat. You can uh, ask me questions, send me topics, shift the conversation in any direction you want it. Um, I'm willing to kind of take all questions that uh, follow my rules and guidelines, you know. <laughs> any trolls or uh, disruptions will be booted. But yeah, if you want, want, want me to talk about real stuff that you're interested in or ask me questions, um, or comment on kind of the topic I'm covering. Enter the live chat Saturday mornings. Um, you can find all my links on SeanVPlanet.com. I kind of remodeled it this week. Um, earlier this week. S-E-A-N-V-P-L-A-N-E-T. SeanVPlanet, one word, dot com. You can find all my links to everything. And yeah, all my videos, all my podcasts, my blog, live stream channel, good news for my dudes, devotional reading streams. Um, old episodes of my Talk About Art podcast. Um, what else? All my other podcast appearances where I've been on other people's podcasts. And Clips Channel, link to the Clips Channel, link to donate um, and help me out. And my P.O. Box and support stuff. And yeah, you can donate at donorbox.org slash Planet if you want to help me buy land to start farming <laughs> as soon as possible. And uh, crushing, you know, crushing with my hands on the land. And um, yeah, just tell all your friends and enemies about this, this channel, this stream. And I appreciate just all the love and all the support, y'all. Y'all are all amazing. <laughs> amazing. Today, whoo, today, last week we talked about how to be a good man in the physical sense. Now we're going to talk about spiritually reconnecting to God and becoming the man you were made to be and created to be the life that was you were made for and how to live it out in, in a masculinely in a righteously masculine sense we're going to talk about men their proper roles their duties their responsibilities and yeah as we live in this realm called earth <laughs> how to be the man we were created to be yeah last week we covered um, how to identify the men around you the social sexual hierarchy, um, how to understand where you rank in that and how to understand where the men around you rank in that and how to interact in groups of men. 
and I gave you some good advice on how to be a better man physically, what to focus on and to work on to be just like healthier and more productive, more emotionally stable, and just generally more masculine as a human being living in this realm called Earth. Um, so today, part two almost, live stream 54, is called Biblical Manhood. Because today we're going to talk about the more important part of being a man and discuss the importance and the need to live righteously, morally, full of hope, truth and love in your heart. Having truth and love in your heart at all times and how following God in all his right ways will lead you to the success, the happiness, the purpose, and the eternal life that you will never find on your own here and now in this physical world. <laughs> Truly. The topic of biblical manhood and righteous masculinity is becoming increasingly more important for Christians to understand and speak out on. And, you know, better men than I have covered it <laughs> very thoroughly already, that's for sure. Um, I'm just kind of repeating nonsense and garbage uh, thoughts and opinions of my own. Not, not, not nonsense and garbage, but just my own take, my own opinion from uh, just some guy. <laughs> just some guy with some comments and some opinions. We're going to play some clips from a few of those better men than I today, and I'm going to give my thoughts and comments of my own on it. We're also going to kind of go back to one of the previous streams I did on this topic and kind of review and reread some stuff from that stream. And hopefully, hopefully I just do this topic justice today and, you know, either help lead you towards noble manhood or if you're already walking with God, hopefully this will just help carry you on that journey and to just grow more and encourage you to just continue on seeking and following. Um, I just need to remind y'all, <laughs> just a reminder, I am a former little boy, uh, physically and spiritually. A weak and broken little male who lacked God in his life and in his heart and thus lacked truth and love by default. I used to think I knew what was good, true, and beautiful, but it was all just the emotions and the lies that Satan and his fallen minions, you know, just manipulate us into believing are virtuous, meaningful, and good. You live a lie. You just live a lie in depth. I conformed to the people and the things of this world and placed my trust and my life into pleasures and dreams, just living in fantasies and for temporary highs. I lied, I cheated, I took shortcuts and easy routes. I sought pleasure and avoided pain at all times, regardless of the cost. I was a slut maker who used women as objects to pleasure me, a pure slut maker. And in between those enormous mistakes, those very regrettable endeavors I, I uh, partook in, I became addicted to porn and drugs. You know, when you're not getting the release of all of your sexual conquests or whatever you want to call them the notches on your bedpost in between you have to fill that emptiness with something and I uh, you know like every young male <laughs> in our generation was just led to porn and drugs to temporarily temporarily satisfy those flesh urges you know just alcohol marijuana shrooms acid whatever I can get my hands on um, put in my mouth or in my lungs all in an attempt to just fill the emptiness that lived inside my heart um, an emptiness that I know very much now can only be filled with uh, the presence and the love and the truth of our creator, our real father. 
I used to seek all sorts of physical solutions to my spiritual problems, and once I finally returned to our true father, our creator, and accepted his son, his only son, as my teacher, my leader, my redeemer, and my salvation, I was able to easily and thoroughly overcome my brokenness, my shame, my past evils, and sin. Excuse me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. <laughs> truly. So truly. And I went from being a weak and broken little gamma male to a righteously masculine warrior of God. A man with a purpose, with meaning, true love in his heart, genuine happiness, real hope, and an amazing destiny ahead of him. I want to encourage all others out there watching or listening now, stuck in that fallen state, or still wrestling with their emotional instability, or suffering in their spiritual separation, that it is possible and inevitable to return to God in all his right ways, if you seek. If, if, <laughs> if and yet, two of my favorite new words to use. In so many ways, for such profound reasons, but if you are willing to finally and genuinely humble yourself, repent of your wrongdoings, forgive all those who have wronged you or led you astray in the past, especially all of your earthly parents and your siblings and your grandparents, and then you choose to return to and place your trust in the hands of your true father now and forevermore. Um, I promise, I promise you that you will become the man that you were created to be and you will find the peace the truth and the love that nobody and no thing can give you. It is never too late. It is never too late. And if you want to talk about it, hit me up um, in private. Just send me a letter to my PO box. The info for that is in the show notes or on my website. And or just hit up my DMs on Instagram or Bertari Times app if you're on that. I have a handful of pen pals who have been inspired by my streams in the past and or who have just come across me on like social media or sought me out just generally for advice in person. And I have shown them the light in the life of our Savior. I have, I have shown them the light that God has given me. Um, and all thanks be to God, not me. God uses me to show them the life and the light and the way. And some of these people have also inspired me. Um, I'm always available and open to discipling others or just being discipled myself. So reach out to me. Again, P.O. Box is in the show notes. And, you know, DMs are on Sean V. Planet on Instagram. Um, send me a message on Telegram or Bertaria Times app. If you, if you need help or advice or you want to help me or give me advice. I overcame. I overcame. I've helped others overcome. And I can help you or those you know as well overcome. But it is not me or any other earthly man that will ever or can ever truly save you. No man, no teacher, no preacher, no vlogger, no blogger, no pen pal, <laughs> no peer, no friend, no foe, no boomer or zoomer, no man or woman will ever save you. Only you can do that by putting your faith into Jesus Christ, who was sent to save you by our Heavenly Father. Only you 
can seek God from within. But true men of God who have been found by him, submitted to him, trust in him, repent before him, and seek to serve him. Those men will always be ready and able and willing to help you find your way. They'll lead you to the man that will save you. Um, put, faith, put your faith in no man, but let the men around you guide you back to the one you should put your faith in. Um, yeah. And so we're going to get into some clips. Uh, four clips from three true men of God. <laughs> true men of God who just get it and are based. <laughs> and hopefully these clips and my thoughts about these clips um, today here will provide you with some wisdom and some insight and some encouragement to seek God in all his right ways. And... You guys here in the live chat with me, chime in, send me your questions or comments about it, and I'll try to get to them all. First up here, we got uh, Paul Washer. <laughs> this dude is based. This dude is based. Um, so check him out. Check out his other sermons too. They're good. If you're looking for someone good, um, yeah, let's get into it. People sometimes ask me why I talk so much about biblical manhood, about what it means to be a man according to the Bible. Well, let me put it this way. I don't know if it'll translate into another language, but I'll put it this way. My wife says that if a man-eating lion escaped from the zoo it would probably starve to death because there's not enough men in this world to eat. So one of the reasons I teach on biblical manhood is because it's something that's lost. It's something that's lost. Oh, there's a lot of definitions about what it means to be a man. Sports has a definition about what it means to be a man. Hollywood has a definition about what it means to a man. Feminists have a definition about what it means to be a man. But we're Christians, so we need to ask ourselves, what does God say about being a man? Of course, when we look at the scriptures as Christians, we know that the perfect example of manhood is not um, some boxer in a ring, and it's not some football player. It's not a movie star. It's Jesus Christ the only perfect man that ever walked on this planet. So when I'm teaching on biblical manhood, I'm not trying to teach a bunch of young men how to be tough and beat up people. I'm also not trying to teach them to be feminine. I'm trying to teach them to be like Christ. You see, God created this world. God also set the order for this world. He created a man. He created a woman. We also see throughout Scripture that he gave different roles to men and different roles to women. Also, there are different virtues that are outstanding in men and others that are outstanding in women. Also, he tells us how we are to interact as men with men and men with women, as older men with younger men and younger girls, fathers with children, husbands with wives. 
He's told us in the scriptures how we ought to be and how we ought to act, and that has been lost. Most of the young men growing up in our churches are not influenced by the scriptures with regard to manhood, but they are influenced by the secular world. And most young men really do not have a role model, model as a father. Even if their father is a good man, oftentimes he is so busy doing other things, his work, maybe his hobbies, maybe even church. He's doing so many things that he doesn't have time to fulfill the biblical requirements of a father. And so I teach on biblical manhood simply because so few people are doing it. And it is an important theme in the Bible. I have two sons. So from the time that they were young, they're now 9 and 11, but from the time that they were just little, little children, I began to teach them about what it means to be a noble, virtuous, godly man. I'm also, even though I quite often fail, I'm trying to model that for them. And not only for my sons, but also for my daughter. Because one day my daughter is probably going to marry. She's going to find someone or someone is going to find her. God's going to bring her together with someone else who's a young man. I want her to have a proper understanding of what a man must be like to be a biblical husband. So I consider this very, very important extremely important, especially in light of everything that we're seeing today in our world. Do you realize that our entire world is shifting? Ideas are shifting. Culture is shifting. And many of these shifts are not in agreement with the scriptures, but actually oppose the scriptures and are aggressive against the scriptures. If we're going to be biblical, we can't expect the world to teach us how to think, and how to act. We must go to the scriptures. Yeah. If we're going to be biblical, we can't expect the world to teach us. Biblical manhood is something that is lost. Righteous masculinity is disappearing right before our eyes and at an increasing rate. The lack of fathers in the home or the lack of righteous fathers, more specifically, who lead their children to the truth, the life, and the love of God is destroying the next generations of children, and especially the boys. The women too, the young girls, like he said, that are going to need men of God in their lives. But it starts with the men, because if there are no men of God, <laughs> um, it's because the boys weren't taught to be them. Look at communities where the young men are liars, they're cheaters, they're destroyers, they're breakers, they're angry, they're sad, they're full of despair and rage and just generally lost and broken. And you will find weak fathers in the homes or just none there at all. We must return back to the Bible. We must return back to the truth of scripture. We must lead our women and our children to walk in the light and love of God our creator after we ourselves overcome our own spiritual brokenness and return to him first once we overcome and return we must lead our women and children back as well we have to stop making excuses and blaming others we have to stop blaming others for our problems and choose to overcome our spiritual separation regardless of how we got there or whose fault it may appear to be 
and just return to our Father in heaven so that we can then bridge the gap between our women and our children and their rightful Father and Creator as well. Our children aren't growing up without truth and love. Our children are. <laughs> I might have said aren't. Our children are growing up without truth and without love. And it isn't Joe Biden's fault or Black Lives Matter fault or the leftists or the Republicans or the music industry or the celebrities or Netflix. Um, <laughs> you know, all of these people aren't leading our children astray in dark down roads. It is us. It is the men. It's us. It is the fathers who have abandoned their responsibilities and their duties in exchange for comforts, for pleasures, fun times, security, ease, and material stuff, physical stuff. The time to overcome is now. My dudes, the time to overcome is now. And God left us with a roadmap of how to do so. He gave us a purpose and a plan for our lives. A purpose and a plan for our lives. There are cautionary tales and examples to follow. And the Bible is going to lead us to the salvation and the peace we ourselves need, first and foremost. And it will show us how to lead our women and our children into the right direction and into the eternity of peace that they deserve after we get our mess together. <laughs> after we clean up our own mess, we can then lead others around us into the right direction as well. Now, next up, clip. Next up, we got two clips here from the legend John Piper. <laughs> John Piper, the legend. Um, real interesting guy. Awesome. Bi very biblically sound. We're gonna watch two clips here. Um, and if you like it, uh, be sure to look up more of John Piper's sermons because they're pretty based. Suppose two young adults, say they're 20 years old, Sunday morning, they've just been in class together, campus outreach, maybe, and uh, walking toward the sanctuary are talking to each other, never met each other before, and he likes what he hears and what he sees. And as they approach the door of the sanctuary, he says... Are you sitting with anyone? So they sit together. They notice how each engages with God and they like what they see. When the service is over, they're leaving and he says to her, do you have any lunch plans? I'd love to treat you to lunch. Now, at that point, she's totally in charge and can send the signal, no, and don't ask any more, or yes. And she would say, in the first case, I do, but thanks. And her body language and her tone of voice and her polite no would be, thank you anyway. Or she might say, I do, but May I make a phone call? And I think I could probably change them because I would enjoy that very much. That's another signal. So she does that, and neither of them has a car. And uh, he suggests 
why don't we walk down to Maria's Cafe, about 10 minutes from here on Franklin and 11th, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll figure out a way to get back to wherever they are, campus or something. On their way there, in the conversation, he finds out she has a black belt in martial arts. In fact, he finds out that she's one of the best in the state. At 19th and 11th, two uh, men accost them with uh, ominous expressions and say, pretty girl you've got there, fella. We'd like her purse and your wallet. And then they say, in fact, she's really pretty. We'd like her. Now the thought goes through his head, she's got a black belt in martial arts. But instead of stepping behind her, he takes her elbow with a firm grip and just eases her back and says, you touch her, it'll be over my dead body. And he tackles them both. And while he tackles them, he says, run. They knock him out cold. And the next thing they know, they're both on their back with their teeth bashed in. <laughs> Little crowd gathers and um, the ambulance comes. They put him in the ambulance. She gets in the ambulance with him. And as she's riding to the hospital with this man, she looks down at him and says to herself, this is the kind of man I want to marry. Okay, that's my sermon. <laughs> um, here's the point of the story. The point of the story is that the deeper differences between manhood and womanhood are not superior or inferior competencies. That's the point of the story. They are rather deep dispositions or inclinations written on the heart, albeit often very distorted. First, point out three things from the story. First, he took the initiative and asked her if he could sit with her, if she would go to lunch, he suggested the place and how to get there. She saw what he was doing. She responded freely according to her, her desires, and she joined the dance. You know, when a man and a woman dances, if they're both very good, he's generally taking the initiative and she's following, and nobody even thinks about that because the coordination is beautiful. Second, he wanted to treat her to lunch. He's paying. 
this sends a signal. I think my responsibility in this relationship, in this little drama right now, is that I not only initiate, but I provide. She understands that. She approves of that. She supports the initiative, graciously accepts the offer, and this says nothing about who's wealthier, nor does it say anything about who's better at making a living. Third, it is irrelevant to the masculine soul, as God made it, I believe, that a woman he is with has a greater capacity for defending herself than he does for defending her. That is irrelevant to his soul when this danger appears. He's not expedient. He's not calculating. He's a man. Over my dead body, you'll touch her. That's what he says. That's what he always says. It's a matter of manhood. And you know it's not a matter of competency. She took him out in the end. To get the message here, this is not ever about superior or inferior competencies of leadership, competencies of provision, competencies of protection. It's never about that. It's always about what's in the soul of a woman, what's in the soul of a man, to be man and to be woman. At the heart of mature manhood is a God-given sense disposition, inclination, that the primary responsibility, note the word primary, it's never soul responsibility, that the primary responsibility lies with him when it comes to leadership initiative, provision and protection. And the heart of mature womanhood is the God-given sense or disposition or inclination that this doesn't say anything about her inferiority, but is a beautiful thing to come alongside of, gladly affirm, gladly receive his leadership, his provision, his protection, and join him in the enterprise of life. Base John Piper. Yeah. <laughs> Masculinity and femininity are complementary. Complementary to each other. Not competitive roles for the two genders. Um, Complementary for the two genders. To know, embrace, and live out. Key word there is two genders. <laughs> Complementary roles, not competitive roles. Um, righteous masculinity and righteous femininity are the natural behaviors of those in touch with who they were created to be and who know what they are supposed to do, who live it out, who have that God-given sense of what their soul is supposed to do, and they live it out. Uh, toxic masculinity and radical feminism are the secular, worldly results of those who have abandoned God and trusted in themselves. Those who are led by their passions, their emotions, their flesh urges, and are just held captive by the emptiness or even the evil dwelling inside of them. Those who understand and approve of the roles that their creator gave them and who trust in God 
to know what is best for the world, for themselves, and for each other. Those will thrive and find the peace and the things and stuff of this world will never and can never possibly provide them. John Piper claims, and I wholeheartedly agree, that in our souls as men is a God-given sense that the primary responsibility in a relationship lies with the man in cases of leadership, vision, initiative, provision, and protection. And what lies in the souls of the righteous woman is a God-given sense of accepting that her man is in control of leading, initiating, providing, and protecting for her life and the life of her children. Adam was created to tend to the garden, and Eve was created to help him accomplish that task. She was complementary to him. Eve was complementary to Adam and complementary to his purpose. And he was to lead, initiate, provide for, and protect her. And he failed. And as a result, all of us, all of his descendants, have suffered greatly. Jesus Christ came for many beautiful and powerful reasons. But while living and teaching here on earth, he showed us how to succeed. And the Bible is the God-given blueprint that we all need to live correctly. How to overcome our sinful nature and the evil that lies in our hearts. And how... He taught us just how to truly honor, respect, love, lead, provide for, and protect our women and our children. And yeah, we'll get into this again. Another John Piper clip. Um, yeah. If you a woman as the weaker container of the glory of God, your main response, husband, is honor honor and I believe and it's, it's, it's very controversial and very difficult to put into words that there is unique honor that goes back and forth between a husband and a wife unique to the kind of dignities and the kind of strengths and weaknesses that we all have and this kind of honor I would suggest shows itself in things like this you will not be harsh with her. You, you may rough it up with the guys, you know, you know, you know, bumping each other and talking dirty and you know. But you don't do that with her. You don't do that. There, there, is, there is an honor that corresponds with the woman and it's not harsh. Rather, hit the positive side, it's tender, it's gentle, it's protective I think it is written on a man's God-given soul when he hasn't suppressed it by sin and the media to feel like he ought to protect his wife no matter what and that he ought to be gentle and kind with her and that he ought to um, provide for her. And there may be all kinds of reasons why some of those can't happen if he's disabled, for example. 
But I'm just saying written on man's soul is a kind of honoring here that takes its key from the woman as the weaker vessel by God's design so that his honor is especially, I'm there for you. Always, no question, and I will never put you forward if there's a loud noise downstairs. I will never say, hey, we're 50-50 in this marriage. Your turn, go find out who's down there. (laughs) I love to mock that. I do, I love to mock that. Because there's so many people talking about that kind of marriage, and they have been for 40 years. I tend to use bad language when I think about it. Um, That's evil, this 50-50 stuff. We just split it right down the middle, and you vacuum half, I vacuum half, you wash half, I wash half, you do this and that. Um, Or, let's get real, competency-based. That's, that's what most say. Let her do what she's best at doing. So if she's got the black belt in karate, send her down. <laughs> there's noise, some noise downstairs, jigging around, there's a burglar down there, send her down. Damn that thought to hell. Because the issue is not competency. The issue is do I have a masculine soul that responds with honor towards this woman in a way that makes her my treasure, my fellow heir of the grace of life, whom I will stand up for, I will protect. And if that burglar takes me out, she might take him out, but I'm going down first. I'm going down first. (laughs) Unique honor that is shared between a husband and wife who know, understand, and respect the strengths and weaknesses we all have in our God-assigned gender. We must show honor. We must be there for each other as brothers and sisters in the faith, and especially and intimately there for each other as husbands and as wives. We must know and embrace what makes us different, what strengths and weaknesses we independently have, and what traits or qualities each other has that can be stoked and used to bring glory to God in all of the battles we face together. Men, my dudes, <laughs> my dudes out there, we must always show honor to women as the weaker vessel, quote, weaker vessel, and provide for and protect them so that they can accomplish their own works, their own goals, and their own objectives and be the noble and righteous mothers that our children deserve. We must know our places, the roles and duties assigned to us by our maker at birth, to complement and help each other with our own unique skill sets and abilities, and let the others use theirs to accomplish the goal of tending to our own gardens. United as one flesh and being fruitful and multiplying, And nothing is more beautiful than just loving, you know, loving, being honest, having complementary roles as a sacrificial couple, bringing or caring for many children. (laughs) That is uh, true wealth and genuine meaning and genuine purpose. Find within you a masculine spirit, one of courage and duty, one of modesty and discipline, one of hard work and honesty, 
one of nobility and patience, one of leadership and service, and one that responds with honor at all times, to and for the treasure that is your woman and your children. And yeah, again, that was John Piper, base John Piper. Now we're going to get into Vadi or Vodi Bakum, one of my favorite pastors now. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Vadi. <laughs> V-O-D-D-I-E-B-A-U-C-H-A-M. Vadi Bakum. Amazing apologetics person. <laughs> Evangelist, speaker, preacher. Um, so we'll just get into it and then I'll talk about it. Sound in faith. Sound in faith. One of the marks of a man who's been walking with God over time is that he ought to be sound in faith. If there is anything that burdens me, it is this idea. In our culture, in the modern American Christianity, we will not tolerate biblical, theological, and spiritual maturity in men. Let me say that again. In modern American Christianity, we will not tolerate biblical, spiritual, theological maturity in men. We just can't have it. Nothing above mediocrity. Oh, what do you mean? I mean, we're at this conference, and we, I mean, of course we're all about this. We want men to be mature. We want men to grow up. Listen, I can prove it to you. In most of our churches, if you have a young man who's 16, 17, 18 years old, and this young man is reading church history, and he's reading theology, he knows his Bible, he's studying his Bible, he has a passion for the Word of God, has a passion for the things of God, and a passion for the people of God. You know what happens in the average American church? They look at that 16, 17, 18-year-old young man and they say, God must be calling you to preach. Really? Why? Because you love the Bible, you love theology, you love church history, you're passionate about the things of God. Now, what we ought to say is, well, that just means you're a Christian, right? No, not in the modern American church. And you know this is true. In the modern American church, if a young man gets that serious about the things of God, immediately the mediocrity of manhood in the modern American church says, you need to get away from the rest of us because we will not tolerate your passion. You've got to go get a seminary degree. You've got to go become a pastor. You've got to put reverend in front of your name so that I no longer feel guilty about my own mediocre pursuits. And because of that, Modern American Christianity is the only place in our culture where we will tolerate this cognitive dissonance between a man who will say, I've been walking with God 30, 40, 50 years, and I know nothing. Because anywhere else, I don't care what, you name the field. Name the field where in our culture, and I'm talking about just anybody, just lost pagans. Name the field. I don't care if it's bricklaying. I don't care if it's truck driving, whatever it is. If there's a man on the job who says, I've been doing this for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And another young man comes to the job and says, hey, I've heard you've been doing this 30 years, 40 years. I know if there's anybody who can show me the ropes, you can show me the ropes. And we'd all say, yeah, of course, if he's been doing it that long, you ought to be able to come to him. He ought to be able to show you the ropes. Well, what if? The young man comes to the older man 
who's been doing this for 30, 40, 50 years and says, brother, you've been laying bricks for 40 years and I've just started. Can I just come alongside you and watch you so that I can learn how to be a bricklayer? Because I'm sure you're a master at it now. Oh, I ain't no master bricklayer. I don't know nothing about no bricks. Now see, we laugh. But how about this? You've been walking with God 20, 30, 40 years. Sir, can I come alongside you as a younger man and you mentor me in doctrine, theology, Bible, and church history? What's the response? I ain't no preacher. It's the only place in America where we accept something so ludicrous. Where a man can say, I've been walking with God 30, 40 years, and I proudly declare, I know nothing. I'm ignorant. I'm a babe in Christ. A 40-year-old baby, and I'm not ashamed of it. Nowhere else is that acceptable. Only in the church. Only in the church. But the text says, one of the evidences of a man that belongs to God, who has been walking with God over time, is that he is sound in faith. He's sound. We're called to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. And yet we proudly proclaim that because we don't have ordination papers, we're unwilling and unable to do it. If nothing else, just having read through the Bible for 40 years ought to make you somewhat of an expert. Amen? Yeah. Base body. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. If everyone to get inspired or encouraged or just look up, um, in my opinion, probably one of the best um, Protestant or Lutheran like evangelists and speakers Definitely check out Vody Bacham. He's amazing. Um, our culture, our society, our nation, our environment, our peers, our family, our friends, um, all of them, they do not want or cannot permit a truly biblical man. When you seek to become a truly biblical man, you will face pushback from the world. They do not want or cannot permit a truly biblical man for he is a threat to the beast system men of God are a disruption to the males of this world and their fancy comfortable easy short lives just as Daniel was a threat to Babylon just as followers of the way were threats to the Roman Empire um, the biblically mature man of God is a genuine threat to Satan to his fallen soldiers and the system that he rules over in this realm we call earth seek to become a master of the bible yeah as this meme says meme on the screen for the audio listeners the world offers you comfort but you were not made for comfort you were made for greatness you were made for greatness seek to become a master of the bible Seek to be walking with God 
and living in all his right ways. If you want to tear down the temporary kingdoms of man, or disrupt the beast system, or fight back against Satan and his schemes, become a biblically skilled master of faith, a follower of Christ, and a man who belongs to God only. Become sound in faith. Walk with God. Stand your ground in the face of all the enemies of righteousness. Victory is yours through Jesus' sacrifice. The victory is yours. Are you going to give up ground? Are you willing to lose and abandon your ground? You only have ground to lose and a soul to abandon. The victory is already yours. Go now, regardless of where you are or have been, and become the head of your family, a leader in your community, a resource to your nation, and a master of your own soul. One that is no longer a slave to sin, but a child of the one almighty God, your true father. Be strong, be brave, have passion only for the advancement of God's kingdom. Follow the teachings and ways of his son, Jesus Christ. Know your Bible. Walk obediently down his narrow road into the narrow gates of his kingdom. The world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Yeah. Not a lot of people in the chat today. My girlfriend's in there <laughs> watching, as always. Um, hi there. Undercover CIA handler. <laughs> my uh, assigned NSA agent is in the chat. Um, my assigned uh, CIA handler um, in the chat says, flat and motionless. Yes, we all know what that means. I don't know if it is flat and motionless, this realm we call Earth. I don't know if it's flat and motionless, but what I do know is that we're not on a ball spinning through space. <laughs> we're not on a tiny insignificant rock floating through giant, vast, infinity, empty space, um, broken and distant from our God and our creator. All that's nonsense. Yeah, all that is nonsense. And JLP Keck. <laughs> J-L-P-K-E-K. I think JLP Keck. Yeah, shout out Jesse Lee Peterson, um, the man, the true man, leading other men back, rebuilding the men by rebuilding the family. Shout out Jesse Lee Peterson, and yeah, so <laughs> Scott Hamilton quote, culturally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and psychologically, we need to connect with who we are as men and live it boldly. And unapologetically we covered this book before it is amazing <laughs> amazing you can go back and listen to I'm pretty sure it's live stream 32 on my channel um, where I talked about Stephen Mansfield's men on fire and the stream is called righteous masculinity men on fire is a must read for all Christian men truly and just in general, all men who continue to suffer, fail, and fall short in their lives. This is just some of what he has to say in the opening chapters, kind of paraphrased at times and out of order a little bit. And it's kind of some of the quotes from his book. 
some of his thoughts mixed with my thoughts and extrapolations on his thoughts. Um, but yeah, this is kind of from my previous live stream. I'm going to repeat it today because I thought it was necessary and profound. The fire is not emotion or passion. Um, in reference to the fire that fell uh, upon the first Christians on the day of Pentecost. That fire that fell was from heaven. Eternal fire that burns in the human soul. Not the pagan myths about Prometheus, but fire meant to be a part of us from the beginning. That must be stoked and tended if we are to be what we were created to be. The fire of righteous masculinity and noble manhood is threatening to die out in our generation. I see what you see, empty souls. I see men without fire, men who do not know who they are or what they are meant to be. This I do not blame on our times or our fathers, and certainly not on women, who have taken nothing from men that men have not abandoned in the first place. I blame us, I blame men. I believe our tribe is at fault for allowing righteous manhood to decline and for allowing masculinity in general to become an object of scorn. I also believe that if we have the power to lose righteous manhood, then we have the power to reclaim it. We should be determined to find and live masculine greatness before our inevitable deaths. The men who do not know who they are and who do not understand the power of noble manhood and the duties of a righteous man are terrorizing our age and destroying themselves. Unfathered, untethered, immoral, angry young men are destroying civilization. For when men do not know who they are, what their purpose is, when they are left empty, aching, and angry, they become parasites and destroyers. Parasites and destroyers. Gammas and omegas. We must restore greatness to modern men. Convince our men to stop blaming their times or their fathers or their women around them for what has befallen them and just get on with becoming the righteous men that they were created to be. We must now stop rules and righteous fires blaze. And a word to women, <laughs> a word to the whamans out there, do not be afraid of this. If you will encourage the men in your life toward the vision of noble manhood championed here, it will mean only good results for you. You will be loved. You will be served. You will be protected. You will be encouraged and cheered and respected as you fulfill all you are meant to be. Toxic masculinity is a disease of our age. Noble masculinity is its cure. That is what we are about here, and that is our future. That is our future, my dudes. My dudes. <laughs> All my dudes out there. If you want divine, manly fire burning in your soul, then welcome the change and embrace the transformation that fire brings. Once an ignition has occurred, 
protect the fire, feed the fire, tend to it as you must so that it will engulf your heart. Let the fire come out. Let your souls be set ablaze. Let manhood in our time be ignited with righteous fire. Um, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. God does not give people complete victories. As witnessed in Joshua's conquests from the Bible, um, so that <laughs> the next generations are pushed to become warriors themselves. We are not meant for our battles to be won for us. We are not meant to dissolve into softness and luxury because previous generations have won a measure of victory for us. We have battles of our own to win. To be good and righteous men, we must be warriors. What we are made and called to do is about battle. We go to war. We go to war. To be good men, we must fight the battle for self-mastery. We must battle our lesser drives and contend manfully to be the best and noblest we can be. And this means war. We pray, we fight spiritual battles, we encourage, coach, confront, even discipline. It is all a form of battle. Then we must battle the spirit of our age when it seeks to make us weak and compromising, soft and dull to righteousness. Few will understand that the righteous warrior spirit I hope to awaken is principled, disciplined, well-mannered, moral, and committed to protect and defend. Give me men of honor who have the fire of battle burning in their souls, and I will give you a more peaceful, more prosperous, happy society. A true warrior culture, one that is learned and disciplined and of noble intent, is an honorable, safe place. Righteous warrior culture is self-correcting. 1 Corinthians 6.9 uses the word malikos. Paul uses the word malikos in his writings to describe those who will fail to inherit the kingdom of God. But that word is typically translated as the unrighteous or the wrongdoers. But truly, that word malikos actually means to be soft and perverse as a result of luxurious living. Our enemy, my dudes, <laughs> our enemy is softness, sensuality, indulgence, and easy living. Comfort will kill you. It leads to perversion and weakness. Malikos is your enemy. Ease and comforts will kill you and destroy you. And we are living in a Malikos culture. <laughs> One made soft through luxury and deformed by ease. To be good and valiant men, we must declare war on our lesser selves. The stupid within us must be bested. Choose to slay the monster within. It is a difficult task in our age of ease and comfort, but it must be done. Since our culture tells us to do what feels good, to seek pleasure and avoid hardships, but to view anything difficult or uncomfortable as evil kills the warrior within us all. Build some hardship and struggle into your life. Go back to last stream. Make sure you're, you're 
building up, <laughs> building and growing due to the hardships and the struggles in your life. Men do best when they are challenged. They rise when they must conquer difficulty. Build this into your life. Embrace struggle here and now. Embrace hardship in your spiritual life. Start looking at the forces threatening to deform your life as invading enemies. Then take a stand against them. If drugs or porn threaten to control you, then declare war on those urges. Be courageous enough to see what is battling against you, then declare war. 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 Be, make it a war and <laughs> declare war on it. Make it something in your, in, your, in your past and not in your future. How do you do this? First, identify the enemy. Then go before God to ask for forgiveness and for help. Ask friends to confront you and hold you accountable, to pray with and instruct you. Step away, get clean, get right, fight the good fight now. Most men just haven't decided to fight yet. It's <laughs> the basic truth. You just have not decided to fight yet. And most men have not decided to fight yet. You must realize that pleasure, entertainment, stuff, and safety are battles, not entitlements. Invaders and not rewards. Get serious. Get help. Get on to the fighting. And decide to win now. Remember this, a single tiger will almost always defeat a single lion in combat. But five lions will always defeat five tigers. Because tigers fight as individuals and lions fight in teams. Alone, a lion is vulnerable. In groups, lions win every time because they fight as a team. Only a fool fights alone. <laughs> particularly in spiritual matters and particularly in matters of his own soul. Fight as a team. When facing an enemy, call in reinforcements, call in your band of brothers, have them join you at the battle lines of your life. Do not be afraid to have accountability buddies, Bible groups, men's groups. Um, seek fellowship and community to help you fight the battles of your life. And, yeah, we must connect with God. I mean, that's so important truly to do. Um, after that, when God sets you on your journey, make sure you're getting noble brothers around you um, and community members around you and in your life to help you fight the battles. But it all starts with connecting to God. If we are going to become the men we are made to be, if we are going to have the fires of noble manhood burning in our lives, um, we must connect with God. God made us, and <laughs> this means he knows how we run best. He also designed us to function in connection with him. He designed us to function in connection with him spiritually. That's why you can't stop at the physical, earthly level. You have to to reconnect yourself spiritually to your creator. God made you a man. God made the nature of manhood. God created the way you think as a man, the desires you have as a man, 
your strength as a man, and your purpose as a man. He is intimately involved in all that you are as a man, and he is eager that you emerge as righteous, masculine, fulfilled men. Churches fail us, religion fails us, humans fail us, but God does not. And let's just face it, men have not faced well or fared well in their relationship with churches. Churches are failing us. That is why the churches are full of women and emotion, you know, songs and light shows and temporary pleasures and not the truth and love of God. You know, not all but most. <laughs> churches are light on men and reason and logic and order. Church has become a place where manhood goes to die. It is a feminine experience that emphasizes feelings and emotions over action and logic. And as, as Washer said earlier, shout out Washer from the clip earlier, a man-eating tiger would die of starvation in most churches. Attitudes about church shouldn't keep men away from God and his right ways, however. You don't need a church to connect with God spiritually. It helps you fight your battles. That community, that brotherhood, the family of the church body will help you on your way. But it all starts with truly connecting with God, your creator, to become the man that you were created to be. Attitudes about church. No matter what your attitude is about church or your experience with the church, it should not keep you as a man away from God and away from his right ways. Don't let the failings of the men around you, the community around you, or the, the religion around you, the environment around you, keep you away from God and his righteousness. Jesus was a man who was fully a man. <laughs> This culture keeps wanting to make Jesus so soft and emotional and weak. But Jesus was a man who was fully a man. <laughs> it is the life of Jesus, despite how he is often depicted and displayed in our culture and our churches, that has called men to be men. The Jesus we follow and obey is God who became a man. He became flesh. He lived a life that was a grand adventure. He was the bastard of his town. He was hunted nearly every day of his life. Political rulers sought to kill him constantly. He became a carpenter and used his hands as a skilled laborer. Drew a band of brothers around him, mostly laborers themselves. Men with little manners, no glow to their auras or wings on their backs. Even his own brothers doubted him. His own family, his own, his own hometown, and even his own brothers doubted him. His family thought he had lost his mind. His cousin was decapitated for the entertainment of a drunken crowd of royals. Corrupt officials met constantly to figure out how to kill him. They bribed his friend to turn him in, and his other friends ran away after, abandoning him. Jesus was then, was then beaten by raging career criminals, career soldiers, <laughs> not criminals. Jesus was beaten by raging career soldiers. He was whipped by military professionals that were trained for the work. 
and nearly to death. Spikes were driven into his hands and feet. He was hung up on a tree, slowly suffocating to death for six hours, during which time he arranged for his best friend to take care of his mother, something that a good man would make sure to do. He then forgave all of his torturers and died. This was truly the life of a man, a man of righteous masculinity. His life shows his character, and now he is sitting near God, explaining what we deal with and what we need as men. Men cannot be complete. Men cannot be complete without connecting to their Father in heaven. We must have a connection to God if we are going to be the men we are called to be. We need His fire in our lives. Men need their emotions tamed and their passions put towards righteous use. We need the persuasions and distortions of what's right to stop. The perversions and distortions of what's right to stop. God can do this. Godly men can help. We can be set free from what drives us to stupidity, and it takes the word work of God to get it done. We have all been wounded, but these wounds don't have to bleed and deform us all of our days here. We can get better. We can see our lives restored. We can reclaim what was lost. It just takes the power and love of our Heavenly Father to do so. Many men walk this life with a crushed spirit. And we all need our God in our lives to heal us and to orchestrate the healing work of men in our lives. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's a combination of me reading wrong and it being typed wrong. So sorry for the mistakes. But yeah, that's from Livestream 32. If you want to go back and watch that, I talk about the rest of the book. It's amazing. Uh, again, Stephen Mansfield's Man on Fire. It's an amazing book. Highly recommend you read it. Let all that sink in. And also grab a copy of Men on Fire. It's, again, just truly so worth it. And continue on learning and understanding how to live out the righteously masculine life that all of you, you my dudes out there, were designed and created for. Truly. And... I love this. Mansfield leaves us with a final blessing in his book. May you be the man you are made to be. May our God set your soul ablaze with his purposes and free you from every bondage that keeps you from your destiny. May the fires of noble manhood burn in your soul. And may you be a righteously masculine light in our generation of men. A great and glorious man in your time yeah any last questions or comments send them to me right now um, I see people watching but no one chatting I don't know if the chat's off or not usually I get like a handful of people here um, looks like everyone's busy today and they just don't want to hear this they don't want to hear about this but it's necessary and needed um Yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in. 
listening to this at a later date. Again, every Saturday morning, you can tune in live. Hit me up in the chat if it's working. And uh, send me comments and questions. Okay, my girlfriend is here. <laughs> my girlfriend is here, so chat is working. Everyone's just busy today. Um, but we're going to wrap up here. So that you guys can get on. Becoming the righteously masculine men you were, you were designed and created to be. This week. <laughs> Going forward. Men today continue to be plagued by a crisis of identity. Of sterility. Of genocide. Of fatherlessness. Of role disillusionment. Of absence. Of perpetual adolescence. And of emotional instability and immaturity. We are deeply deficient in understanding and practicing how to relate to God and the rest of his children in a healthy way, but we don't have to. We must know, have, hold, and live out the gospel. We need the life-giving, identity-establishing, purpose-defining gospel of Jesus Christ. Our true hero, the embodiment of manhood, is the true son of God and his eternal contribution has changed the course of manhood forever and when you accept him as your redeemer your savior your teacher and your example all will be made well your course will be corrected and you will become the man living out the life that you were created for Jesus restores our vision of manhood. His life, death, love, and resurrection push us onward to our restored relationship with God, the creator of all, as well as those around us inside of that creation, in both the here and now and in the forever after. In him and in him alone, we can find that the gospel is applied to all areas of our lives, that we might become the men God intended for us to be, those conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. Let us now commit our lives to journeying with our Savior, following him and all his right ways, forgiving, honoring, and loving all of our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, and even our enemies, and carrying on towards his eternal kingdom, having repented of all our sins, and being restored by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go out now, <laughs> my dudes. Let's go out now and either become or continue on being the men we are destined to be the men that we were created for. Let's be the men who build big and strong families and lead them to the truth and love of our own maker. Let's go forward into righteousness and be builders of the Lord's kingdom, growers and providers and protectors of the Lord's children, all of them, and get on with being those who seek and carry out true glory true glory let's pursue the good the true and the beautiful this week and the next after that and the next after that and then the rest to come after that as well 
Let's do good, be good, love and be loved, my dudes, and know that you are so loved by so many, including myself. Let's find our way home someday. <laughs> Let's find our way home someday, starting today. And be with our Father in heaven. So, one more time. I'll put this up. I'll leave you with this meme again. <laughs> and I'll leave you again with uh, Stephen Mansfield's final blessing from the book Men on Fire. Again, the meme, the world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. And one more time. May you be the man you are made to be. May our God set your soul ablaze with his purposes and free you from every bondage that keeps you from your destiny. May the fires of noble manhood burn in your soul. And may you be a righteously masculine light in our generation of men. A great and glorious man in your time. I love you guys. I'll be back here next week. SeanVPlanet.com until then. And just go out there and crush. <laughs> Take care. A lot of my artwork comes from a good man and friend of mine, Timmy J. Follow him on Instagram at S-W-I-T-C-H-B-A-X. His company Mountain Folk is amazing. They promote artists, they create mesmerizing art, and they sell comfy clothing that helps support groups that are fighting against human trafficking. Be sure to follow at F-O-L-K-M-T-N on Instagram, as well as at M-T-N-F-O-L-K-S-H-O-P. And be sure to shop at mtn.folk.shop. This is not a paid ad, just help good people do good things. Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBPlanet.com.